come before you and your word. I pray that you will open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. Speak to us. I pray, Lord, that uh, we'll be able to hear uh, without any interruption. Help us to stay attentive. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Like I said, we're going to wrap up this series uh, this morning, and I'm uh, glad we could look at this book. This is the first time I'm actually preaching from the book of Habakkuk, and I've really enjoyed uh, studying this book, and I hope you've enjoyed listening to this. Uh, uh, even, even as we wrap up, right? So we've looked at questioning God, waiting on God. Uh, we, today we're going to think about rejoicing, in, rejoicing in God. What, the idea of rejoicing, how can we rejoice uh, in the midst of some of our struggles, in the midst of our lockdown, right? It seems very paradoxical. Uh, it seems contrary, right? But, uh, but we're going to see how uh, scripture talks about this. Even the last few verses that Sarda just read, uh, if you look at verse 17, uh, it says, though the fig tree should not blossom, right? Nor the fruit be on the vines. The, the produce of the olive fail uh, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off and the, from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. And if you, if you think about this, uh, uh, what's going on here, right? When, when he's talking about the figs and the vines, when he's talking about the olives and the fields, when he's talking about flock and herd, uh, uh, Habakkuk is actually talking about the wealth of the nation. He's talking about uh, the wealth of his own uh, people, the wealth of the nation. He's talking about uh, the foundation of economy during that time. He's talking about security uh, for people, right? That's what he's talking about. Uh, in today's terms, when you look at what is going on at that time, in today's terms, uh, we are talking about our savings. We are talking about uh, maybe our EMI, where you're, you're putting towards an apartment that you're buying. Or you're, you're talking about land or stocks. You're talking about bonds. You're talking about deposits. Uh, so, so this is what's happening. He's actually talking about uh, a complete disaster. He's talking about a socio-economic disaster that is that is about to happen. Okay, and it is not just one time. This is something that's going to happen for years to come. Right? There is no figs, no wine, no olive, no grains, no flock, no no hurt. All the wealth is wiped away. Right? Food is wiped away. There's going to be starvation. There's going to be famine. There's going to be exile. There's going to be an invasion that's going to come. People are going to be taken in exile. Everything is going to be destroyed. There are going to be refugees for the next several years in exile. Right? It is a complete disaster. Uh, but even in the midst of that, even in the midst of that kind of a disaster, right? And, uh, and I would say, yes, we are in lockdown, but we are, we are nowhere close to what he is experiencing, right? Uh, but even in a situation like that, even when he is facing such a grim, dark future, when everything is collapsing around him, when everything is wiped away, right? Uh, he says, yet I will rejoice. Yet I will rejoice. What, what, what is this? What kind of a joy is this? And I was thinking about this. Is this, is this true, right? Firstly, is this even true? Is this, are we making up something, right? Are we just religiously so blind that we just think, oh yeah, we just have to, we just have to, uh, we just have to have joy in God. I mean, that's what the Bible says. So we just have to somehow tell ourselves things will be okay. Lockdown will be over. Everything will be fine. Is that, is that what he's talking about? Is this some kind of a fake happiness? Is this like something fake? Right? You're just smiling all the time. Is that what's happening? 
no, he's not smiling all the time, right? Obviously, you see he's questioning, he's you know, doubting, he's, he's going through all those emotions, right? So it's not fake. Uh, is this like, uh, uh, I don't know if you've seen these groups in the park that uh, clap and laugh. I don't know if you've see, seen them. Uh, I've seen them going up every morning. Uh, they come and they clap and they laugh and they la laugh loudly. And it's a nice therapeutic way. I'm not uh, against whatever they're doing. Uh, but is this something like that? Is this like we as God's people come and we just clap and laugh and we just go when everything is happening around us? Is that what is happening? No, my friend. This is something very different. Right? This is something very unique. Right? And I want you to think about this, even in today's scenario. Right? Even in today's scenario, and I was, uh, I was uh, uh, talking to somebody and uh, they were saying how, uh, and this is uh, a simple, simple uh, person who's just been saving a little bit every a month for the last uh, several years towards retirement or towards the children's education and stuff. And, uh, and I don't know if you, if you follow some of these uh, news in the economy, I mean, that his, whatever he saved in the last, whatever, several years has been, he's, he's gone, right? It's, it's become negative, right? It's whatever he saved, if he had buried the money, he would have more money right now, right? It's all gone negative, right? What, what if your, what if your savings are wiped out? Well, what if you're facing a job loss? The, what, if, what if your job is threatened? Well, what if you are looking for a job and there's no prospects of job anymore? Right? What, do you, what if you have to close down your business? What if, what if you get coronavirus? Right? What, what, if, what if you, right? once the lockdown is over, you go... Go get bread and suddenly you are coming back with virus everywhere. What happens then? How are you going to manage? What, what, what if you are depressed this morning? Like what if you are depressed? What if you are so fearful and, and it's crippling? It's crippling you. You're not able to take the next step. You don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's crippling you. Is, is what being said here, is it relevant to you? Is it relevant to your situation? My friend, yes. Yes. Oh, there is a joy that you can tap into. There is a joy. There is a joy. Right? And we're going to think about this. We're going to think about what is this? How do I experience this joy? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> is this some magic? What am I supposed to do? And before we jump into uh, just kind of reframing what that is and what, what, what we can learn from this passage, uh, just to, just to quickly reorient ourselves, right? Biblical joy, uh, biblical joy is not rejoicing over your suffering. You're not rejoicing for suffering, right? When, when suffering comes, we are not happy about the suffering, right? No, we are, we are mourning about the suffering. We are grieving about the suffering, right? We experience pain and loss. Jesus, you see in scripture, he mourned and he grieved for his own suffering, for the suffering of others, right? So we are not happy. We are not happy because suffering is happening, right? It is, it is, that's, not how, that's not what we're talking. So biblical joy is not rejoicing for your suffering, right? Secondly, biblical joy is not rejoicing after your suffering ends, okay? Somehow during the suffering, we've got our hands, uh, fists clenched. We're like, mm, we've got a a tight upper lip and somehow we are clenching our teeth and we somehow make it through suffering. We'll make it. Why? Because joy 
after the suffering, joy will come, right? After everything is over, when I get the job, when the economy kicks on, when everything, then joy will come. No, biblical suffering is not rejoicing after your suffering. Biblical joy is actually joy in concurrence with your suffering. It is concurrent. It is something paradoxical. It is, you cannot explain this to the world. How, how, how can you have joy in suffering? How is that possible? Right? We want to avoid joy. The idea of, idea of joy is absence of suffering. How is it possible to have joy in the midst of suffering? So biblical, a life of faith, we, we talked about this last week, uh, the righteous live by faith. Those who are justified by God live by faith. How do, I live? How do we live? The, the life of faith is a life of both weeping and rejoicing. You, you are a sinner and a saint. It, it is both sorrow and joy. Right? The, the life of faith is both. But, but it, joy is in the midst of your suffering. Right? It's not after your suffering. And uh, thirdly, uh, Another paradoxical idea is that biblical joy is enhanced through your suffering. Okay, and again, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. But but God God has positioned suffering in a way. Right, suffering is because of evil. Suffering is something that is because of the fall. It is because of sin. Suffering is in, unjust. Suffering suffering is. Uh, something uh, that, that is an enemy of God, but, but, but God has positioned and turned suffering in a way that when you suffer, your joy is enhanced. There's, some, there's something, there is a potential for your joy to be enhanced during suffering. How, how is it? Because, because scripture, scripture seems to say that God is near when I am broken. God is near to the brokenhearted. Oh, God is closer when you are suffering. His, his power is real when you're suffering. His presence is closer and nearer when you go through suffering and trials. Right? His, his grace is greater. His grace abounds when we are suffering and struggling. His love is sweeter than the honey when we go through suffering. So in a sense, suffering intensifies the grace of God. Suffering and when we come to him, it intensifies the joy of God. It, oh, it radically enhances how we experience God. So suffering, the biblical joy is enhanced by our sorrow and our, and our suffering. Right? So that just to kind of reorient ourselves in terms of understanding how we think about joy. Right? So today we're going to look at rejoicing in God. And I, and I want us to think about this in a different way. Right? When we talk about rejoicing in God, and I, I've written it down as practicing joy. Okay, practicing joy. How do we practice joy? You, you can practice a sport, right? Some of uh, some of our friends, uh, Rajesh has been leading people in sketching. You can practice sketching, right? Uh, how do you practice joy? Because that's that's key. That's biblical, right? Joy is not something I'm just waiting, and suddenly joy just comes over me. It's not. It's not like that, right? Biblical joy is pursued. Biblical joy needs to be actively pursued and practiced. Biblical joy is a command. It is a command to be followed. Biblical joy is not something that just automatically comes, right? You're sitting and you're waiting for joy. No, 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 that's not biblical joy, right? Biblical joy is a command. It's a discipline, right? Philippians 4.4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Come on, rejoice in the Lord. 
right? Romans 12, 12, 12, 12 says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. So, so it is a discipline, right? I want you to understand this. If you are not experiencing joy, if you feel like, where is this joy? How do I get this joy? The first thing you need to understand is it is something that needs to be pursued. It's something that you need to be doing something, right? In the sense of pursuing it. You, you would want to want it first. I was just uh, finishing this book and I, it's called uh, Finding Quiet. A fascinating book. I got it for my birthday. I think it was... Uh, uh, my birthday is in January, so I think whoever gave Akshay is the one who gave me the book. I think he probably figured out what's going to happen the rest of the year, right? It is finding quiet. How do you overcome anxiety and practice uh, have practices of, that draw you to peace and joy? Right? Phenomenal. If you are if you are if you are feeling anxious and if you are depressed and even if you are feel like this depression, you're going through depression. This is a fascinating book. Fascinating. Highly recommended. Right, uh, and, and I just picked up this book, and I, it, it kind of coincided with Habakkuk chapter three. The entire Habakkuk, I don't know how it happened, but it just coincided with what I'm looking at Habakkuk and what's happening in this book. And in this book, he, uh, the author is saying how, when he gives this uh, this based on research, and he's saying ten percent of your happiness is based on uh, your life circumstances. Okay, and I want you to think about this, right? Because it took me a minute to think about this, right? If you, if you think lockdown is robbing your joy, if you think your job and current economy and situation is kind of making you less happy and less joyful, that's only 10% of the reason. 10% is only because of other circumstances, other people. Only 10%. 10% is where this thing impacts you. We make it out as 90%. It's not. Right? It's, it's a book, it's recorded, it's, a, it's research, right? They say it's only 10%. 40% of your happiness is because of your own choices. Okay? It's your own choice. And that's why I feel like joy is a discipline. 40%, and it's a beautiful book, fascinating. It talks about how 40%, 40% of our own, we control our happiness. We control uh, our response. We control what we do. It is based on our free choices. And the next 50% and the book talks about next 50% is basically how we are wired, our personality and our biological structure and all that stuff. And even he says there are certain simple practices that if you do, you can even rewire your brain. You can rewire some of these things to experience joy. Some people are clinically depressed. Some people have imbalance in, in, in their brain uh, system and all these things and emotional imbalance and stuff. Even simple practices, and the book says simple practices and rewire even your biology to be able to experience so it is, it is something you need to practice, right? It is, it is simple steps. I'm going to give you three simple steps, right? Three simple steps. All three are related. Uh, and I find this in this, uh, in Habakkuk chapter three, we actually see this all over Habakkuk, but we're going to look at it from chapter three. Three simple steps, three simple, right? Uh, very simple. It is nothing new, uh, but, but three things that uh, can, uh, can intensify your joy, right? Firstly, firstly, and I'm going to call it, Disciplines, three disciplines. And the first discipline is the discipline of prayer. Discipline of prayer. You, you want to experience joy? My friend, joy. And I was thinking, I was talking to Rajesh this morning. Joy, joy is not, joy is, you experience joy in the context of an intimate relationship. Joy, joy is not outside of a relationship. Joy is not something 
that you do something. Yes, I understand when you serve, there is joy. When you give, there is joy. All that is there. But I believe it's a very secondary kind of a thing. Right? You do something and you experience something. But there has to be something even deeper. Right? There's something different. Joy is in the context of an intimate relationship with God. Joy is in the context of prayer. You experience joy. How, is, how do you experience joy? My friend, it is in the context of prayer. It is when you pray. It is when you come to God. Right? So the discipline of prayer is going to be key for you to experiencing joy. Okay, we see this uh, book of Habakkuk. The entire book is a prayer. Habakkuk is not preaching. Habakkuk is not preaching here. Right? Uh, you look at chapter 3. It begins with saying it is, a, it is about prayer. It is a prayer of Habakkuk. Right? Uh, now what is this prayer? prayer? Prayer involves so many things. Prayer is not just mumbling something. And sometimes when we, when we think about prayer, we, we are like, oh, what is prayer? Am I supposed to sit in a corner? What is prayer? Right? You look at, you look at, if you look at chapter 1, verse 2, he's praying. Right? He, this is what he's saying. He says, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. Or cry to you for violence and you will not save. Right? So prayer involves asking questions. Prayer involves venting your emotions. Prayer involves grieving. Prayer involves lamenting. That is prayer. It is real. It is not your, it is not when you're scared, you come and say, God, I worship you because you're, it is not that. Prayer is real. It is real. Prayer is, is, is talking to, it involves questions and emotions and grieving and lamenting. Prayer, prayer also involves silence and waiting and listening, watching and obeying, right? We see this in chapter two. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. He's waiting, he's watching. Uh, prayer prayer is, is, is questioning God and it is wrestling with your emotions. It is being real and honest before God, but it is also waiting and watching and being silent before him and, and listening to him. Prayer also involves worship and being in awe and wonder of who he is. Right? You see this in chapter 2, verse 14. Right? He gets this vision and he, uh, he sees this. For, for God says to him, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And again in verse 20, it says, but the Lord in his holy temple, the Lord is in his holy temple, that all the earth keeps silence before him. Discipline of prayer, the discipline of prayer. The, the prayer is not being proper before God. Prayer is being honest before God. Prayer is not in the number of words we use. Prayer is not how we begin, how we end, and all these things. Yes, there is a part to it. Prayer is being honest and real before God. Prayer is bringing my heart before God. Prayer is a lifestyle. Prayer is, prayer is not... Yes, it is, it is something you do at different times. And we, we meet when we, we pray. Yes, you do all these things. But, but prayer is much more than that. Prayer is a lifestyle. It's a posture before God. Keller, Keller in his book on prayer, he says, prayer is both a conversation and an encounter with God. It's a conversation and an encounter with God. There's another way to think about prayer. There's another way to think about prayer. When you close your eyes, let's say you're, uh, you're daydreaming, right? At work, 
or, or at, uh, maybe you're eating lunch alone or you're sitting and staring at the wall, you're standing in the terrace, whatever that is, right? When you're thinking, when you're just letting your thoughts wander, where, where do your thoughts go? Where does it go? That is your prayer language. Where does it go? Is it, is it going towards worry and fear? Is, is that, right? Is it, is it, because you're, that's what you're dwelling. Is it, is, it, is it going towards what you can do and enjoy? Is it going towards the shows that you can watch? Is it going, is it go, where is it, where are your thoughts going, right? And, and John Murray says uh, in his book, he says, when you close your eyes, when you think about prayer, uh, when you think about your thoughts, that, that is in a sense your prayer, right? Does it go, does it go to God? Are you think? Are you? Does it? Do you converse with God? Do you, do you talk to God? Is that is that where it's going? That is prayer, right? Prayer is being honest. We see Habakkuk is honest before God. Habakkuk is also in awe of God. When you pray, you not only understand God deeply, but you also understand yourself genuinely. Right? In, in prayer, right? when you're praying, maybe you have certain bitterness or anger in your heart, but when you move to God in genuine prayer, when you have a partial prayer, suddenly the anger and the bitterness seems very petty. It's petty. In, in front of a beautiful and a righteous God, our anger and bitterness seems petty. Right? Uh, suddenly, there's, uh, when you move in prayer, your anxiety and worry suddenly become, seem so small in, in light of who God is. Right? Uh, when you have self-pity, when you move towards God in prayer and you, you bow before Him and you're silent before Him, suddenly your self-pity changes into confidence. Right? When you're confused and you're not clear and you're, there's a hundred things going on in your head and when you move towards Him in prayer, suddenly there's this clarity, like the light of dawn, there is clarity and there's perspective to this. The discipline of prayer. And my friend, we've talked about this, and I and I want to plead with you, right? And I and I and I need to confess, I'm not a guy. I'm not a I'm not a guy who prays, right? I, I you tell me something to do, I am happy to do it. Right? You go tell me to do something, I'll I'll go I'll go do it, right? That's my posture, right? You say, Ranjit, that's uh, prayer. I'm like, no, no. I, I grew up in a I grew up in a tradition of prayer, right? I ran away from it, right? So. I grew up, every Wednesday we would fast and pray. Every Wednesday, think about this. Young friend, I was 21. Every Wednesday, they won't give me food. Right? Uh, that's how I grew up. Right? I hated it. I'm not, I'm not a that's. So you know what I did? This is what I did. And I need to confess to church. Right? I need to confess to you guys. This is what I did. I knew, right? And during lockdown, during this time, I knew I do not pray. I'm not the guy who prays. Right? I will be sitting and uh, mopping and sitting and thinking. That's what I would do. So I said, you know what, let's, let's, let's do the noon prayer. So the noon prayer that we do is for me. It's not for you. <laughs> it is for me. Right? I said, if I'm not accountable to somebody, if I don't, if then 30 days will go away, 45 days will go away, I will not offer a single prayer. Right? That's, what, that's what's going to happen. So I said, let's, let's do the noon prayer. We, we need, we, sometimes it's a discipline. It's a discipline. Sometimes you need to, Need to be accountable, my friend. You want joy? Are you looking for joy in the midst of lockdown? Are you looking for why are you not rejoicing? Are you thinking why am I anxious? Are you thinking why am I so depressed? Why am I fearful? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you feeling angry? 
I will ask you, are you praying? And if you notice, <laughs> that's the one thing that's probably missing in our lives. Right? The discipline of prayer. All right. And I said it's related, right? So the discipline of prayer. The second discipline is the discipline of remembering. The discipline of remembering. When you pray, you remember. When you pray, you don't mumble, right? We are not mumbling. We are not using, we are not using babbling words. When you pray, you remember. What are you supposed to remember? Let's look at verse chapter 3, verse 2, right? Look at uh, verse 2. It is in the context of prayer. What is he doing? He says, verse 2, Oh Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. Oh Lord, do I fear? He says, I revere, I stand in awe of you, right? NIV says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Beautiful, right? He, he is recalling something. He's remembering something. There's two things I feel like he's remembering. He's remembering the word of God and the works of God. When you come in prayer, when you come before him in worship and in silence, when you come before him with your anxiety, with your fear, all that's wonderful, right? You come before him. There is nothing wrong. You come before him with honesty. When you come, you remember. You take time to recall. You remember. You remember the word of God. You remember what he has done. You remember the works of God, what he has done for you. You've got to remember, it's a discipline. It's a discipline. You want joy? Joy is going to come, right? But you come to him in prayer. We talked about what that prayer is. Not just mumbling something. We, we come to him with honesty, with realness. We take time. We are silent before him. We come. And when you come, you remember. You recall. You recall. Let's see what he's recalling, right? Chapter 3. The entire chapter 3 he is recalling the Exodus. He is recalling how God has redeemed them during the Exodus. Right? I don't know if you noticed that. You see a glimpse of that here and there. Right? The entire book, the entire chapter three, from verse three. Right? He says God came from Teman, right, uh, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. Right? What is he talking about? These are the boundaries of the desert where the children of Israel walked. Right? So he is actually calling, recalling the boundary. He is using a poetic language to talk about. Uh, the, the wilderness journey, right? Uh, verse 4, he says his brightness was the light, uh, like the light, rays flashed from his hand and there he wailed his power. He's uh, recalling the, the idea of God uh, uh, leading them with power through the pillar of fire and the cloud, right? Verse 5, he says, before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. He, he's recalling the deliverance of God even through plagues and pestilence in Egypt. Right? You jump down, you keep going in verse 15. He says, you trample the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. He's referring back to the Red Sea. He's recalling God's marvelous salvation for his people through the Exodus. He is recalling the covenant of God. He is recalling the faithfulness of God. He, he is, in a sense, rehearsing the gospel there. The gospel he knew, the gospel he knew was basically how they were enslaved in Egypt. They were helpless. They could not get out. They had no hope, but God came and rescued them. God came and rescued them. Not because of what they did, not because they deserved something. No, he came and rescued because of his grace. And he provided a lamb. 
to, to rescue them from the, the final judgment. And he brought them out through the Exodus. And he, he's recalling the gospel of Exodus. <laughs> he's recalling the gospel right there. So my friend, I want to ask you this, right? When you, this is prayer, this is prayer, right? I talked about when I, when I said, when you're thinking, right? When you're, when you're, it's what you're thinking, what you're thinking. Prayer, prayer has to do with my thinking. Prayer has to do with my thoughts. Prayer has to do with my language. Prayer has to do. So when, when you're, when, when you are thinking, when you are daydreaming, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? What are, what are you savoring? Are you thinking about how your, uh, your savings are nice. I mean, you've got some good money. Oh, I've got money. I've got this. I've got... Are you thinking of that? Is that your salvation that you're glorying in? Are you thinking of a false narrative? You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. You're not going to get a job. You're not going to do this. You're going to be a failure. Is that, is that what you're thinking? Is that, is that what you think? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Everything is going to... Everything is going to fail. Is that, is that, what, what, what do we think? What do we think? My friend, scripture says, recall. It's a discipline. It's a discipline. It's not going to happen automatically. It's a discipline. When you come to him in prayer, you recall the word of God and the works of God. You recall his word. You recall what he has done in scripture, but you also recall what he has done for you. Oh, my friend, how often God has redeemed you? How often God has saved you? How often God has led you, provided you? How many miracles he's done for each one of you? Recall, recall, remember those things. Never forget. You remember in the context of prayer, you recall what God has done. You recall, my friend, that is, that is a discipline. Prayer is not just informing God about your need. Yes, please inform him. Petition and supplication is part of prayer. But it is not just informing him of your need, but remembering what he has done for you. It is not just reminding God what he has to do. It is recalling for yourself who he is. That is prayer. That is prayer. That is one of the ways you're going to experience joy. We're talking about this. It is the context of prayer. Joy is in the context of prayer. And when you pray, you remember and you recall. Oh, my friends, remember and recall. If, you, if you've heard my preaching for a, for a while, you will always know that I always go back to two stories. And always people will, some of my friends will say, Ranjit, you've told this story so many, how many times are you going to talk about Dallas, 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 deeper, Dallas, sickness, operation, how long? No, but I go back because I recall, I recall, I recall. Every time I go back, I recall. I recall God's faithfulness. It was one of the most, I'm not saying it was the highlight of mine. It was one of the most difficult times for our family. But I recall God's faithfulness. I recall what he has done for me. I recall. I recall. I will never forget. You see what I'm saying? What is that for you? Ponder over that. Ponder over that. Think about that. In the midst of when you see, oh, nothing is going to happen. Right, right now, I think about it. What is going to happen? I don't know. What, what is going to happen? What is gonna, I, don't, I don't know. But I recall what he has done for me. I recall. I recall that he will never leave me or forsake me. I recall how he has come through time and again for me. I recall. Right? And, I, and I want to tell you this funny example. Right? But I, was, I, and I'm not a, I wasn't a bright student. I was not a smart guy. I, I, you give me a ball, I'm happy to play with the ball. 
uh, books. I don't read books. Uh, nothing, right? The reason why God made me a pastor is so that I will start reading something, right? That's the reason I'm I'm a pastor, right? So uh, when I was when I was in college, I, I had to do my final year. Uh, I, I had to do my final year project. So three of us we went to this. Uh, uh, company Rane Engine Valves. The engine valves actually make uh, all these engine valves for Maruti and all these things. So I, I went there. I did my project there. Uh, we we stayed there for three months. Uh, ate nice uh, food in the canteen, free food. We just walked around the place. The last ten days, we had to finish the project, and the whole project was contingent upon uh, this this premise. We we worked on a premise that the the engine valves. Right? They, they, they were discarding a lot of valves because it was bending, right? Like micron, right? Micron uh, level bend, right? It's bending, right? Uh, so we were trying to make a case saying this is why the valves are bending, okay? So we were all, yeah, 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 this is the, okay, this is the case, wonderful, right? Last 10 days, we have to prove it, right? You won't believe this, right? I'm, I'm sitting, I'm like, God, I, I, need, I need a good grade in this. I have applied for GRE. I've applied for all these things. I need to pass this. I want the valves to bend. If, I, if the valves don't bend, right? Because we've done an experiment. If the valves don't bend, my three months of project is useless. And I remember praying. And me and my friend, both of us were Christians, the only two Christians in class. Uh, the other two guys were not Christians. But we, we told them, we said, you know what? We're going to pray, right? We prayed for the valves to bend. <laughs> you won't believe this on that day, right? When the when the thing came out, the valves bent. <laughs> Maybe it was supposed to bend, I don't know. But at that age, when I'm 19, I said, God. We were like, God, God, yes, God is amazing. I remember he did, he God looked at me and he said, What an idiot. Pranjit, you're such an idiot. <laughs> Praying for all these stupid things. But it's okay, right? It's okay. I will give it to you. <laughs> Let the valves bend. God said, I'm not going to put you to shame. I'm not going to put you to shame. You are stupid, but I'm not going to put you to shame. God, my recall, recall, recall what he has done. Okay? All right. You pray, discipline of prayer, discipline of recalling. And lastly, discipline of thanking, discipline of gratitude, discipline of gratitude. All these are related. All these are related, right? Verse, uh, in verse 17, chapter 3, verse 17, he says, Though though the fig tree, though the vine, though the olive fail, though there's no grain, though there's no flock, though there's no herd in the stock, yet I will rejoice and I will take joy in the God of my salvation. This is what he says. He's recalling, right? He's recalling the God of his salvation. He's, he's praising, he's, he's doing that. In verse 19, he says, God the Lord is my strength in the present is he strong? No, he's he's weak. He's depressed. Right? Is he? Is he? No, he. But he says, God is my strength. God is my strength in the present. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. Beautiful, right? The image of the deer is that the deer climbs all these narrow cliffs and mountains and stuff. And even a simple uh, uh, misstep, the deer can fall down. Right? The deer in his legs, it's it's going through these narrow over the cliff and the mountain and he say he compares it to that because when the deer goes up nobody can hunt the deer nobody can come and catch the deer right the deer is safe in those places and he says God is actually taking me through these narrow places but he makes my feet like the deer so that I'm I'm able to 
navigate this narrow terrain and this dangerous terrain. But once I go there, I am at, I'm at a place where I experience this peace and joy. Nothing can touch me. Beautiful image. Right? And I want you to think about this. He, he, is, he is giving thanks. If you, if you, it, it is not explicit, but if you think about it, he, 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 see, this is gratitude, right? Gratitude. I want you to understand about gratitude. Gratitude is firstly a discipline again. We talked about prayer as a discipline, recalling as a discipline. Gratitude is a discipline. You don't naturally give thanks. Indians especially, right? We don't give thanks naturally, right? Uh, gratitude is a discipline. That's why First Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances. Give, it's a command. Give thanks, right? Uh, Habakkuk, uh, Habakkuk is, what Habakkuk is doing is coming to God in prayer and he's recalling and as he is recalling, his heart is full of gratitude. You, are you tracking me? Are you seeing how this place Habakkuk comes to God in prayer? And in prayer, yes, he's got questions. Yes, he's got doubts. Yes, he's got fears. Oh, yes, everything is falling apart in his life. But he comes to God in prayer. He's quiet before God. And he's recalling what he has done for him. Yes, there is no figs. Yes, there is no wine. For years, it's going to happen like this. Nothing is going to change. He knows nothing is going to change. He's got unanswered prayers. He's got unmet needs. He's got unfulfilled desires. But he's praying and he's recalling what God has done for him. And as he recalls, it fills him with gratitude. It fills him with gratitude. He says, he is my strength. God is my strength. God is my strength. It fills him with gratitude. Gratitude, my friend, gratitude makes you move from yourself and your circumstance to something else. That is gratitude. Gratitude is intentional. Gratitude is, it requires a willingness to remember and to recognize and to appreciate something. It, 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 is, it is intentional. It is not going to come naturally. What can you thank God during the lockdown? What, what is that to thank God in the lockdown? I can, I can quickly tell you a hundred things I can complain during the lockdown. But if I'm going to thank God during the lockdown, it takes a little intentionality. It makes me think. I need to remember. I need to recognize. I need to do some things. It's a discipline. So when you recall what God has done for you, it moves you. It fills you with gratitude. It fills you with gratitude. It, it helps you focus on something other than yourself. Right? This is gratitude. And I'm going to, and I'm going to close. Yeah, I want us to think about this. Right? This is gratitude. This is gratitude. When you're recalling, when you're recalling, you're not just remembering. right? When you're recalling, you're relishing it. When you're recalling, you're going over it again and again. Oh, how those valves bent. Oh my gosh, what an idiot I was. What, how those valves bent. How, did, how God did this. It's amazing. How, 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 how we, I'm going over it again and again. I'm relishing it. I'm savoring it. I'm thinking about it again and again. The goodness of God, the work of God, his faithfulness, what he had done, what a marvelous work. I'm, I, it, I, that is recalling. I do it again. It, it, I'm recalling. And that moves me to gratitude. It fills my heart with thanks. Right? It fills me with gratitude. So this, is, this, so this is the question I'm going to ask you, right? Though, though your exams are postponed, though your interviews are cancelled, though your job is scarce and you've lost your savings, 
though your project is stalled, though you are suffering and in pain, my friend, can you say, can you say, I will rejoice? Because joy comes when I come to him in prayer, when I'm real and honest with him. It's not when I'm fake with him, when I'm real and honest with him. And when I recall what he has done, God helps me remember what he has done. When I think about this and I savor it, my heart is filled with gratitude. Oh, my friend, when it is filled with gratitude, immediately there is joy. There is joy. This is how a person who lives by faith lives. This is the life of faith. This is the life of faith. And I, and I love the book. And the, the book actually finishes this. And I'm going to use that. Uh, I'm going to read from that. It says, uh, it gives you some pra practice, some guidelines, right? Some kind of ways to practice gratitude, right? And uh, the book is fascinating. Please message me and I'm happy to uh, tell you what the book is. But it, it says, when you regularly make a habit, right? When, when gratitude becomes a habit for you, when gratitude grows in intensity, when gratitude goes in frequency, the more you are grateful, the more things you are grateful, the more people you are grateful for. Beautiful, right? When your gratitude keeps increasing and you're able to see things you can be grateful for, when you do that in a habitual, regular, deliberate, intentional way, this is what happens. It leads you to deliverance from anxiety. It leads you to deliverance from depression and fear, and it fills you with joy. It leads you to increased feelings of energy, alertness and enthusiasm. It leads you to success in achieving personal goals. It leads you to cope better with stress. It leads you to closure from grief and trauma. It, it, it leads you to increase feeling of self-worth and confidence. It makes you more generous and helpful. It is better for your health and it gives you a greater sense of purpose and resilience. What, what a beautiful thing. Just a simple, it, it's basically talking about the context of gratitude. It says, when you become a person of gratitude, when you, when you have a discipline of gratitude, when you recall and you think about ways you can be grateful for, who all you can be grateful for, what all circumstances can you can be grateful for, when you expand those things, when you grow in those things, this is going to, it's going to result in tremendous joy. Tremendous joy. So even in this lockdown, my friend, and I want to, I'm not negating your anxiety. I'm not negating your question. I'm not negating your doubts. I'm not negating your fears. These are all real. But God invites us to come to him, come to him, come to him. And when you come to him, you recall what he has done. You recall, recall. All his word, recall what he has done for you. And as you recall, my friend, your heart is going to be filled with gratitude. That results in lasting joy. Lasting joy. Are you tracking me? Are you guys tracking me? So even this morning, and I want to encourage you, right? Even as we go through this lockdown, I keep telling I keep telling friends, don't waste the lockdown. I feel like the lockdown is a unique opportunity for us. Unique opportunity for me. Unique opportunity for all of us. Right? And C.S. Lewis says how God speaks gently in, in when times are good. But when, when you're going through suffering, it's like God is using a megaphone. Right? God is using a megaphone to speak to us when we suffer. Right? This is a unique moment in history. The world is suffering. The whole world is suffering. God is doing something. We may not understand. Habakkuk never understood what was going on. Right? We may not understand all that God is doing, but we know that God is using a megaphone to get our attention. He's using a megaphone to get your attention. 
So the question for you is, will you move towards him? Will you move away from him? Don't waste this moment. Don't waste the suffering. And like me, maybe you're also struggling in prayer. I, I'm, I struggle in prayer. Like me, maybe you're also struggling to read his word. Like me, you're also struggling to, to, to spend time with him. Let's do it together. Let's do it together. That, that's why we need each other. That's why we need accountability, right? That's why we can do it as a group to get going, right? To get going. So we would love, we would love to help, right? We would love to think about this. Okay, let's pray. Father, even this morning, we uh, thank you for a reminder. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to, continue to open our hearts. I pray for my friends who are struggling at this moment. I pray that your word will give them hope and encouragement. I thank you because you, you, never, you never leave us, nor forsake us. Thank you for what you have done for us on the cross. And as you tell the disciples, uh, Lord, uh, we don't want to rejoice in the miracles and we don't want to rejoice in all these things. We rejoice in the fact that our names are written in the book of heaven. I thank you because each one of us, as we come to you by faith because of what Jesus has done, thank you because we are forgiven and our names are written in heaven. What a joy. We rejoice in that. We rejoice in that. And this morning, Lord, may, may that, may your gospel, may what you have done for us, move us towards you. May what you have done for us, move us towards you with a heart filled with gratitude, with wonder and awe. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I ask Kabui to lead us in a song.